This recording has been produced by Christ Church Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. So let's pray. Father, we, I ask that the meditations of the, my heart and the words of my, my lips will indeed be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Just like to um, speak about the, um, the gospel passage, but really to speak about, uh, uh, in a sense, to speak about all three of them, uh, because they, uh, we have, you might say, uh, some very rich uh, portions today from the lectionary. And uh, the three readings that uh, we chose, they were, they were assigned today. Actually, we had the choice of five, but uh, three readings that we chose really all have thing in common. And uh, the thing they have in common can be summed up in a Hebrew word uh, called emunah. Uh, emunah is sometimes translated uh, or often translated as the word faith. Those of you who don't know any Hebrew, you know at least one Hebrew word, maybe two, you know hallelujah. Uh, and you all know amen. Amen, amen comes from the word uh, emunah. Uh, and emunah, again, is often thought of, uh, at least from our worldview, the, our, uh, the way that we uh, we see the world, especially as Westerners uh, or people who live in the global north, it's a, oftentimes we understand this to be a set of propositions. Uh, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. We think of this, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. We think of this as, uh, understand this as being faith. But the word, the, the actual meaning in Hebrew and the way that Jewish people use the word even uh, in Greek uh, um, is actually much richer than that. And emunah denotes um, more than just believing in something. The, uh, it has uh, such a richer, uh, a richer meaning. Uh, it means to be consistent. It means to be loyal. It means to be reliable it means to be faithful. So more often than not, we're talking about faithfulness, we're talking about actually doing something, not, not simply, uh, simply believing a thing. And there was a uh, famous Jewish theologian, Bible teacher, philosopher, he was all those things. He, um, he couldn't decide which one he was gonna be, but some of you may know uh, the name of Martin Buber. Anyone know that name, Martin Buber? He used to live in Jerusalem. Uh, he always talked about emunah as being trust, trusting, having a relationship uh, of trust uh, with God himself. And so I think these would be some of the different shades of meaning. And we encounter um, emunah in our passage, uh, passage Abraham, uh, we encounter it, of course, in Hebrews, uh, especially the famous ch uh, Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, we, 
um, is not only about a definition of faith, but it's also perhaps more importantly about what faith does. And uh, this is probably uh, maybe a difference between the Jewish world or the biblical world uh, and the world, the theological world in which many of us uh, may live. We sometimes, well, oftentimes ask questions like, what is love? Yes. Uh, what is faith? Uh, what is the truth? Those would be questions uh, that many of us might ask. But in a traditional Jewish world, or even the world, uh, the Jewish world of Jesus, the question might be better put in this way. What does the truth do? Yes. What does love do? We have a beautiful uh, example of that in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, the epistles of John talk about doing the truth, not just believing the truth. How many websites are out there of one Christian attacking another Christian over their doctrine? Very few websites, I've noticed, or very few people who are on these doctrinal crusades uh, actually talk about doing the truth. And the same would be with faith. It's what is faith? Or maybe more importantly, what does faith do? How does faith behave? How does faith work? And Hebrews chapter 11 is wonderful at that because it tells us that people who are having really tough, hard times still remain faithful. They don't quit. They persevere. They persist. They continue to be loyal to God in the face of some of the most uh, horrific difficulties. Now, sometimes we forget that Hebrews chapter 11 uh, has a context. Context comes in, not surprisingly, in Hebrews chapter 10. And I'd like to read you this context because here um, in the book of Hebrews, the, the author, whoever wrote the book, uh, somebody who had very, very eloquent Greek and a very, very good Hellenistic uh, Jewish education, but somebody writes, uh, is writing to a community, and this community is facing uh, difficulty, it's facing persecution, and, uh, he, and I'd just like to read you a few of these verses. Before we get to that famous, glorious verse, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Context is as follows. Uh, the author says to this Jewish, Christian, Messianic Jewish, call them what you want, uh, community, he says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in great uh, contest in the face of suffering. And we're talking about being steadfast, yes? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those uh, in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had uh, better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence, okay? It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, uh, goes on to say, and it quotes from the Hebrew Bible, he who is coming will come and not delay. 
but my righteous one will live by faith. Actually, in, um, it's a quote from, of course, from Habakkuk. But uh, if you look at the footnotes in your Bible, it actually talks about the righteous nut, one living by faithfulness, okay? Uh, whether it's our faithfulness or actually it's his faithfulness, the, the, the coloring of the word, the, the shading of the word is actually faithfulness, not just the belief. And if he shrinks back, okay, I will not be pleased with him. And verse 39, but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. Okay, so this is, <clears throat> this is what uh, imunah is. It, it, it's, it, there's such a confidence, yes? Uh, there's such a uh, deep understanding of who God is that it allows us to be loyal, it allows us to be persistent, it allows us to be faithful okay, in the most difficult of times. Now, Emunah, as wonderful as it is, it has an enemy, it has a big enemy. Um, there's something that opposes that Emunah. And that's our gospel reading. Jesus highlights this and picks, picks this up. And so, for those of you who have a Bible, you can turn to Luke 12. And in Luke 12, we see uh, what so easily can destroy this confidence uh, or what so easily can uh, destroy um, this emunah, okay, our being faithful. And uh, if we actually look a little bit uh, even before, like we picked up on uh, verse 32, but of course, if we go back to verse 22, Jesus tells his disciples not to worry Okay, he tells them, don't worry about um, um, who's going to take care of you. And then in verse 32, where our gospel reading began, he says, little flock, do not be afraid. What is Jesus saying? Don't be afraid. It's don't be afraid. Don't be weighed down with anxiety. Don't be weighed down with worry. Don't be insecure. And actually at the root of what so easily attacks and destroys our emunah or so easily diverts us from being uh, faithful or from or shrinking back or for, um, diverts us from being faithful or causes us to shrink back is this insecurity. It's, it's in the heart of every single one of us. We as people are insecure. Um, you just have to look around you to see how destructive insecurity is. Nations are spending billions of dollars <coughs> on guns. <coughs> Our defense budget here is $20 billion a year. In the United States, I can't even keep track of how much money it spends. And the world is no more secure. More guns, more insecurity. And nations have gone to war since the time immemorial and killed millions and millions of people have lost their lives because one nation feels insecure. Economically, strategically threatened by another neighbor. And the history of the human family is a history of insecurity that has brought nothing but suffering and suffering to people. 
And it's not only true on a national level, on a cultural level. By the way, there are religion, religious groups, ideologies. They also live in a world of insecurity. And, in, and in, it's, in their, it's in this insecurity that they also bring suffering to, to others. And is it not true with us <clears throat> as individuals? Yes, it's that insecurity Worry, anxiety, stress. And I think that's, again, it's all rooted in an insecurity. M causes us to sin. Or so easily leads us to sin. Yes? If we're worried financially, well, we could easily become greedy. If we're worried financially, we can easily cheat our brother or our sister or our mother out of an inheritance. We don't have to, to, to go very far. But because we worry about our future, what's going to happen to me? So I have to take, take, take. We're no different than the governments that many of us criticize, the kings, the bureaucracies. The bureaucracies, the kings, they also, uh, not King Jesus, by the way, they also want to take, take, take. Take from us. Take our money, <coughs> take our identity, send our kids off to war, <coughs> take, 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 take. And when I say all this, I'm not a pacifist. So we do live in an evil world and sometimes self-defense is necessary. But most wars have, don't have a lot to do with self-defense. And you know, if we're insecure uh, in our status, or if we're insecure in who we are as people, then what do we do? We lie, we make up, uh, we make ourselves into something we're not, or we have to tear down other people in order to feel comfortable in ourselves. You don't have to give a very long list because the uh, shopping list here, because I think all of us understand that this is uh, spiritually destructive for us, hugely destructive. Anxiety, worry, stress, insecurity. It, um, the cause of Israel's idolatry. In the, the liturgy, we read from Psalm 95. Psalm 95 hearkens, in Hebrews chapter 3 as well, it hearkens back to the time uh, in the book of Exodus when Israel, had, uh, when Israel left Sinai and after seeing all of God's miracles, yes, Israel begins to murmur and to complain and to rebel and eventually even engages in idolatry. Why? Because it's insecure. What's going to happen to us? How are we going to eat? How are we going to eat a, a drink? You know, who's going to take care of us? Who's going to, whatever. So Israel turns to other gods throughout the, uh, throughout the, the biblical story. It's because they're not sure that they can fully trust the God of, the God of uh, creation, the God who makes heaven and earth, the God who calls Abraham, the God who brings them. Uh, so in that insecurity, in that lack of belief, that uh, lack of emunah, there's idolatry. And idolatry easily leads to immorality. Yes, the two go, the two easily, uh, the two easily go together. And what it does to us, what it does to us is that uh, 
It really just says, we're saying to God, look, I want to be in control. You know, I want to worry. I want to be anxious. I want to take, uh, uh, somehow I need to take control of my life and I'm going to do it by anxiety. Of course it doesn't work. Yes, Jesus tells us this. Who can, how can we add to our life, you know, by worrying? What will, worrying does nothing to us. But still, it's so, it's so deeply programmed into us that many of us have a hard time letting go. Okay, many of us have a hard time believing that actually worry and anxiety doesn't do anything for it. It hurts us not only spiritually, it hurts us physically. Does it not? There's a... Um, book I just <coughs> started to read. It's called the, the Body Keeps the Score. And it's about how trauma and anxiety <coughs> actually affects us physically. And we know that it affects us physically because we get anxious and we eat too many candy bars. Yes? Or we start to medicate ourselves. So many, a lot of people smoke and dope and drinking, uh, becoming alcoholics in one way or another, uh, because this is somehow a way to, to ease the stress or to ease this anxiety. But a actually what na they not now discover is that it, it, it's much deeper than that. It's much more serious than that. The, f the, the actual physical damage, the damage it does physically to uh, to us, and maybe we'll come back to that and uh, come back to that uh, in a moment. But you know, ultimately, the price that we pay is that if we worry and we and we're anxious, we actually remove ourselves from God's loving care. Yeah, we, Jesus says, "Fear not, little flock." You, you may not be very significant or very important, but God has done the most incredible thing. He's given you the kingdom. He's giving you, and what does it mean that he's given you the kingdom? And many people just read that, oh yeah, I'll go to heaven when I die. That's such a poor, poor reading of the text. It's so limited because for Jesus and for the writers of the New Testament, and hopefully it should be for us, the, the kingdom is a present reality. It's where God is ruling and reigning, and God invites us to come and to, to invites us to submit ourselves uh, under His rule and under His reign. And God isn't like the kings that we just spoke about. God is a God who gives, 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 and gives even more. He doesn't take like the like human kings, or he doesn't take like uh, modern governments take. Okay, who only want to quote the song, more, more, more. Some of you may know the song. I'm, um, the song I'm quoting. Okay, if you don't know the song I'm quoting, Fortunate Son by John Fogarty. So, um, so Jesus says, that, look, God, God not only wants to rule over us, but when in this ruling and reigning, okay, there is salvation. There is redemption. There is uh, God's repair and healing, okay, of all of us. There's ultimately transformation. And that God is a good God. 
and that He will care for our needs. Now, many of us have a hard time believing that and even have a hard time accepting that. And so I think here comes, you, you might say, the rub in all of this. How do we know this is true? Well, I can stand up here and preach to you and say, the Bible says it's true. Believe it. And maybe if I was an eloquent preacher, I could jump up and down and use language and tell, give you some illustrations and some jokes. <clears throat> and maybe you might believe it. Maybe you won't. Yeah? But um, here's, here's, here's how Jesus says it's true. Jesus says in, in the passage that we just read, he said, hey, you know what? Do something. Here's what I want you to do. I'm promising to take care of you. You put my kingdom first, okay? You put what, you, you make what's important to me, you make that important to you. And I will look after, yeah, the work of the kingdom of heaven. What is the work of the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, it's calling people to repentance. It's healing. Yes, it's forgiveness. It's, re it's God's redemptive work in the life of the human family. Individuals, societies, nations. God says, make that important and I'll take care of you. But we say, no, I don't know if I can believe it. So here's, here's what Jesus says. He says it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense, but it works. And he says, put it into practice. So what does he say? He says, if you want to invest in your future, you want to secure your future, you really want to make sure that you have something in the future, don't buy stocks in the General Electric Company, which is a company that's failing. Or don't uh, go out and purchase uh, Apple. Or don't buy gold or put your money in a secret account in Switzerland. He says, give to the poor. Oh, well, that doesn't make sense. He says, Jesus says, if you give to the poor, then you'll have treasures in heaven. How, how is it possible that Jesus says such a thing? Because he's basing his understanding on Proverbs 19, which says, if you give to the poor, you give to the Lord. And some versions say, the Lord will reward you, and others say, the Lord will repay you. So if you give to the poor, ultimately, Jesus says, you have treasure in heaven. Now that's emunah. That's risky. You may not be Abraham and go out and leave your country leave Iraq and come to, to Egypt, to go to Egypt. You may not be Moses. You may not be Noah, all those great heroes of faith. But Jesus calls upon us to live in a risky way. We, you want to be financially taken care of? Give to the poor. Now, you may be financially rewarded in this life, you, your children or grandchildren may be rewarded for what you've done. You certainly be, will be rewarded in the age to come. 
you'll, put, you'll be putting, make, you'll be investing in your heavenly bank account. Okay? If you want mercy, every, all of us want mercy, then what should we do? Give mercy to others. If we want generosity, what does Luke, Jesus say in Luke 6? Give and it will be given to you. By the way, the, the verse that so many of us read about anxiety, is it not true? We read from Philippians. And uh, it says, um, uh, and my God shall meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Anybody have that on their refrigerator? Anybody quote that verse when the, when the checking account runs dry? Or when the credit card company calls up, you know, and uh, says you're in trouble? Yeah. Yeah, but the context is, is that Paul says that to the church in Philippi because they have been generous to him. Because they have given him a large gift. So when we give, we, when, when we give, we get. When we give mercy, we get mercy. When we're reasonable uh, in our judgment, Jesus says, you know, the way we judge is the way, way we judge others is the way that we ourselves will be judged. If we forgive, we get forgiveness. Well, that's the road to security. The road to security is the road of the kingdom. Now, you might say this is somehow, this is works. No, it's not works. All of these, all of these things are acts of emunah. They're acts of faith. They're, we're showing, in reality, we're witnessing to heaven and to hell and to all of those around us the way that the world really should work, the way that the kingdom of God works. It doesn't work like the world works. It works, it, 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 this, the, our world system is distorted. And so, how can we know? How can we know that, you know, that God does, will take care of us? Okay. Uh, again, I could say, you, you just need to know this. It's in the Bible, the Bible says. But again, more often than not, in order to, uh, you might say, to assimilate or incorporate biblical truth, in order to come to a realization of what really is true, you have to do something. You know, in the passage that we read, it to Abraham, Abraham says, how do I know this is true? Right? And what does God say? Have a barbecue. Do something. Uh, soon it will be Sukkot. Soon the Feast of, Feast of Tabernacles will be upon us. And it's interesting, in Leviticus it says, uh, you know, God says to Israel, you, every year, okay, you shall live in booths, and then you shall know that I brought you out of Egypt. How do you know that you've been brought out of Egypt? Not because the Bible tells you so, only, but because you're doing something. How do we live with insecurity? Let's do something. And I, when, and I think the doing is found in the passages that we first read. So I'd like to read those passages again from Hebrews 10, before 
the, our Hebrews 11 reading, because in there there's some very interesting, some very interesting uh, things that we can do that will enable us, okay, to live in a victorious way over doubt, uh, over um, stress, over worry. And it says in verse 32, it says, remember. <clears throat> the first thing to do is to remember. So when we're worried about our future or the future of our children or whether our pension will last until we die, uh, the first thing to recall is to sit down and to remember all the things that God has done for us, how he's delivered us, how he's saved us, not just saved us from our sins. It's like that uh, J Philippian jailer, yes? Uh, jailer, uh, when the earthquake comes, he says, uh, what must I do to be saved? We all use that for evangelism. But this man wasn't thinking of his eternal soul. He wasn't thinking of going to heaven or going to hell at that moment. He was thinking, I'm in real trouble if these prisoners get out of here. God, come and deliver me from, my, from these bad circumstances that I'm in. So how many times has God delivered us? How many times has God healed us? How many times has God provided for us? Yes, you know, the old joke. How do you know? You have to live here to understand this joke. And if you don't, just laugh along, feign, like you, pretend like you do. How do we know that God is an Israeli? Because he always comes through, he only comes through at the last minute. <laughs> you never want to plan too far in advance. <laughs> yeah. So we need to remember that. Now, it's one thing just to, okay, to remember. The Bible says over and over again, commands us to remember. But maybe you need to keep a journal of all the things that God has told you and all the ways that God has moved in your life. Because as human beings, we so easily forget. And we need to look through that journal. Maybe we, you need to uh, celebrate the day that you really came to faith uh, and you started to walk with the Lord. Again, as a way of remembering. It's not something just abstract. It's something very practical and tangible. It's a little bit like Abraham's barbecue, right? Um, you know, in the Mishnah, there's a, in the tractate on blessings, it says when you, when you come to a place and you see a miracle, a miracle happen there, you should say a blessing. And maybe, you know, what God has done things for us and you're, you can remember where you were or what you were doing when God did something wonderful for us, maybe you should stop at that place and thank God. Yes? Okay, to express uh, thanksgiving. So I think it's very uh, essential to remember. And then secondly, uh, it says, um, it says that in verse 33, sometimes you are publicly exposed to insult. At other times you stood side by side with those uh, who were so treated. You sympathize with those who were in prison. And so we need to, especially in our anxiety and worry, uh, and our just that constant insecurity that attacks us. We, we need to identify and help 
those who are going through something similar. And usually people often go, have, usually have more problems than we do, and very often, you may have noticed, the things that we fear uh, most of the time never come upon us, okay? So we, we need to look outward uh, and know that uh, there are other people who are suffering, either suffering anxiety or suffering in another way, and not simply uh, stay focused or keep focused um, on ourselves. And again, and here comes uh, uh, something that echoes the words of Jesus. We need to, again, remember to hold our possessions, our material possessions quite lightly. Because the verse goes on to say, it says that um, at times it says, uh, you, uh, oh, sorry, it says, and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. And here, this is a place when we find ourselves um, uh, again, uh, under attack, uh, before we sin, we, we can take comfort, certainly take comforts in God's promises. We can read the scripture, uh, not only remember what God has done for us, we can ask God himself to, um, to minister to us uh, by the Holy Spirit. And we also need, again, to remember that uh, a lot of this is actually physical that the, the stress or the insecurity is actually in our body. Uh, and before we reach for another candy bar or our third martini of the afternoon, it, it probably is best to think in terms, I need to take a walk, or I need to go to, to a gym, or find some way to release this uh, anxiety in a, uh, certainly in uh, a physical uh, a physical way. I'd like to just end um, by reading one more verse from the book of Philippians. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or leaving a review in iTunes. You can offer practical support to Christ Church Jerusalem by clicking the Donate Now button on 